you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. Please like, share, and subscribe on your favorite social network. That's Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble at the moment. Also, follow us on the podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now for this limited time offer for my listeners at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is actually from James 119. The community gave it a lot of likes on the uh, Facebook page, so I think this is the first actual Bible verse we've done. Um, maybe that's not true. But regardless of the source, generally the sources aren't super important. We're going to talk about that because I think it's excellent, excellent advice. And the more we unpack it, I think uh, the more we will realize just how terrible we are at this. <laughs> at least the majority of us. And we could all do a little better. So this communication thing. And I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday on this very subject. And it was a, it was Jordan Peterson's podcast, but I was listening to the podcast and he was interviewing a gentleman and they talked about communication. And he had mentioned just how important it is. I can't remember what person he spoke in reference to, but there was a gentleman who proposed, it was really popular at the time, a method of communication that is almost bulletproof in terms of cultivating deeper and stronger relationships with people. And he said, if you can master this form of communication, you can master almost every relationship you have. You can diffuse almost any kind of argument or at least reconcile those arguments quickly. And you can establish expectations in a very healthy way. I know you're both, you're all excited now, right? Well, one of those, uh, one of the two strategies, let's talk about the first strategy. One of the, one of the two strategies was to, when you are in a conversation with somebody, actually listen. And there's a way you can do this actually listen thing well. And what it is, is when, when, first of all, you let them speak to complete their thought. So you stop and you genuinely let them finish. And you maybe ask a couple small questions, you know, for clarification. And then when they're done kind of making their point or venting or whatever it might be, he said, you, you turn back and you re-articulate what they said to the best of your ability. Obviously, none of us are going to be perfect at this. And this is really kind of cool because he said, what you do is you are, you are nutshelling or breaking down or distilling what they said into its smallest possible form based on your understanding and you're communicating back to them what they were trying to communicate. So you're kind of, you're kind of reflecting what they're saying. And it shows two things. First of all, it shows that you're listening, which is immensely valued. People want to be heard. And then second of all, it shows that you have a fundam you have a strong enough understanding of what it is they're trying to say in order to be able to distill it down into a practical, digestible, way because you've kind of thrown away all the uh the 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 fringe all useless aspects of whatever it is they were communicating 
And it allows them to once again, rearticulate or revise what you said. He goes, and it puts you in a perfect position to have a discussion with them about whatever the topic is at that point. So if you're in an argument and you've articulated their argument properly and you followed up with, if I'm, if, am I understanding this correctly? And, and you don't do it in a manipulative way, of course, you know, but this covers that first part of that, by the way, the strategy, this quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, when you distill it down, you, you, you're slow to speak. So you're intentionally taking your time to absorb what it is that they're saying. And, um, what it allows you to do is it allows you to articulate and refine what it is that they're actually trying to communicate. And this is one of the best benefits of having two human beings interact with one another is that you can both of you working together, hopefully distill down whatever the issue is or topic is to a digestible form that is fun to communicate or acceptable terms to communicate about. And he says, the better you get at this, and, and this is true to my experience. I just didn't realize that whenever I've had a effective communication with somebody, I, I did this in some form. I just didn't realize I was doing it. And there's many times in which my communication, the communication completely breaks down. But I'm going to I'm going to try implementing this strategy even more because I think I think that's spot on. I think that's part of the quick to listen and slow to speak. Is it is. You let them complete their thought and then you repeat it back to them in a distilled manner, then you let them revise it if necessary, and then you redistill it and you both kind of have that back and forth. And then finally, you can agree, OK, this is the issue or this is what you're saying. And then you can actually start that as the launching point of whatever the negotiation is or, or whatever issues trying to be reconciled. Or maybe it's just something fun you're talking about. You know, it's a it's a hobby or it's a viewpoint on a certain issue. And people feel respected because they've been heard. And it's really an excellent launching point for healthy, constructive conversations. And of course, these, the last part of this quote here where it says, and you're slow to get angry. And, and this is important when, when you're trying to listen. You can't listen and be angry at the same time. You can't listen well if, if you let your anger get the best of you. So generally speaking, if somebody says something that makes you angry, the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut so that you can process that anger. I'm not saying... It's, it's not okay to sometimes speak in anger because I do believe that sometimes it is appropriate. Like the quote says, so you have to be slow to get angry. But you do need to allow time for them to complete their thought and then allow time for you to process your emotions so that you can communicate effectively rather than, than just spouting off and spurting off in a, in a rage. This slow to anger thing allows you to, okay, I'm angry. So how do I communicate me being angry without screaming, right? How do I communicate what I'm angry about? If you're slow to get angry, you can take the time to use the proper words to express that anger, which allows for, once again, proper communication and reconciliation. You know, it allows for that deeper level of communication. And 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 sometimes you can you can reflect back your anger, or when you repeat back to them what they're saying, you can try to inject Things like, it does kind of upset me that you believe this. It does kind of upset me that you say this about me, right? So you can, you can, you can even say, I don't know if this is what you're trying to say, but this is how I'm perceiving it. 
and that makes me angry, right? So this this slow to anger and this this proper listening to people are both invaluable tools to effective communication. And again, this isn't something I've made up. This is something that is, is a well-established based on apparently a lot of psychological studies and, and mediators, um, people who actually would act as mediators to conflict resolution. This was one of the most effective methods for people to work through their issues is by repeating back to them what they're saying, but helping them to understand what they're angry about or upset about better. And, you know, to help to kind of um, diffuse and distill those thoughts into a into a healthy, useful form. Sorry, I'm, I'm just making sure I use the right words. It's incredibly important to me that I use the right words when I'm com communicating this stuff. Now, the second topic that he had mentioned for effective communication is... When people do something that you like, and this is more behavioral reinforcement, when people do something, the people you live with on a day-to-day -day basis, the people you work with on a day-to-day -day basis, when they do something you like, say something. Point it out. Pay attention to what people are doing around you. And when they do something that you like or something that is that is good, Point it out. Say, say, say it. Say it out loud. Say, hey, I really appreciate how you did this. Hey, I and, and then and then make sure you explicitly express the exact behavior that you are encouraging. And he said, because th there's also studies on this, that positive reinforcement of behaviors. You need four positive for every negative. Which is which relates to the emotional deposit thing, right? And I've talked about that in previous video, videos. And, and Keep Your Love On, I believe, discussed emotional deposits. I believe it was that book. But you deposit into people emotionally. And on, on average, we need four emotional, positive emotional deposits for every negative withdrawal. And this is why it's important to do this with your kids, too. It's like you don't want to constantly emotionally withdraw from them. Because then it'll just become white noise. It's the same thing with other relationships with adults, too. If you don't deposit into them as individuals, then when it comes time to criticize them or give them feedback, you haven't positioned yourself for a withdrawal like that. And so they'll either just not listen to you because they don't think you value them anyway, or it'll make them angry and it'll actually have a negative impact on the relationship, a net negative. So we do need to stop and make sure we're taking the time to praise people when their behavior is appropriate. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but first we've reached that time where Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out, because you listen to this show for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of this limited time free 30-day trial for my listeners. That's right. For 30 days, you'll get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog as well as an additional free title of your choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, 
no problem. You can cancel instantly online anytime. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. So pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now. And so pointing out these positive behavior, and remember, it's important not to be manipulative about this. Like, you have to genuinely care about and love people to to reinforce their positive behavior. You know, because in a lot of ways, you if you want what's best for them, you treat them like you would want to be treated. And, and I'm assuming when you do something well or positively, you like being told, hey, good job. Hey, I appreciate that you did this. You value when people point out when you do something well. And it's only natural to, if, if we love other people well, we, that we love them in the way we love ourselves. So it's extremely effective for us to lovingly reinforce the things that they do well. And if they don't do something well, you don't have to criticize every bad thing that they do. All you have to do is shower them with praises on all the good things that they do. Because every time you do that, it creates an emotional deposit. Right? And so then that establishes that you value them as people. Like you're paying enough attention. Because when you when you actually point out something they're doing well, and then you communicate exactly what it is that they did well, it shows that you are paying attention to them. Shows that they matter. Shows that you value them. This is something I'm not super great at. Actually, when he talked about it in that episode, I was sitting here thinking, wow, I am terrible at this. I am I am I'm much better at seeing the negative and being cynical. I, I am bent towards that than I am in seeing what other people do really well. Wow. You know, now that I think about it, I do the same thing to myself. Like we do it to ourselves too. Stop and take the time to point out when you do something really well. Maybe you should positively reinforce yourself as well. Wow, that's kind of sobering for me. I guess I didn't really consider that. I do focus on the negative with myself as well. But this is something we definitely need to cultivate a a good habit out of. You know, and like this quote says, you know, if we're slow to anger and we're quick to listen, everything we're talking about in this episode is about literally, literally about just paying attention to other people and listening to them. If you are having rough time, a rough time in all of your relationships right now, let's, let's say it feels like you are just not doing well, nobody likes you, you can't make friends, you can't keep friends, try this out for a week and then let me just throw this experiment at you. Just give it a shot. Not giving you any guarantees, but I'm, I'm going to throw this out here as a possible suggestion. Stop talking so much. That's suggestion number one. Ask a lot of questions. And those questions, make sure they are specific to what it is that they're talking about. Say things like, tell me more about that. Or, what do you think about that? Or, what are your thoughts on that? Or, is that your favorite movie? Or, why did you like that movie? Or, what was your favorite part? Ask tons of questions. And then, after you've asked the question, while they're speaking, in your mind, create a checklist of things that you agree with, with what they're saying. For the things you disagree with at the moment, let's just put those aside. Then, 
when they're when you've exhausted the topic, repeat back to them the to the best of your ability. Again, this is a skill. Like it, it's going to take time to master. Repeat back to them all of the points that you agreed with and distill down what they said. So repeat back to them what they said, reflect it on them. And you will be amazed where this conversation goes. Because after you've exhausted the topic and you've fully listened and you've fully communicated what their position is, they're going to want to keep talking. And you will be amazed at how quickly this expands. Now, if the, if the, if the, if the topic gets exhausted, which that's the amazing thing about conversations with people is, is you'll be amazed how deep these conversations get and how quickly they get deep. If for some reason you exhaust a topic, then simply switch topics. Pick a different topic to talk about. Oh, what are your thoughts about XYZ that's going on in the news? Well, careful with the news, by the way. Uh, what's your thought about this movie that came out? Oh, you haven't seen that one? What movie have you seen re recently? Or this TV show? What's your favorite TV show? What episode do you like? What characters are your favorite? Why are they your favorites? So, like, literally speak to them and listen to what they say. And take the time. And then repeat back to them and reflect back to them what you believe is the most distilled form of what they're saying. And, and, and do this for a week in all of your interpersonal relationships. Do it about their day. Ask them about their day, how their day went. And try to repeat back to them and reflect back to them the, their day. And then point out certain areas of that that you relate to. Oh, I hate when that happens. Oh, I'm it's like, I totally know where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Like, actually, and I'm not saying to do this in a manipulative way. I Genuinely listen. What this does is it, it it creates a safe space for that environment to really thrive. And I talk about boundaries in the show a lot um, because I believe genuinely believe that as a culture and society, we have a terrible boundary issues. We've never really fully mastered these. But what you're doing when you do this is you're creating a safe environment for people to be themselves. And to feel comfortable expressing their honest viewpoints. Now, don't betray that honesty and start making fun of them for what they believe. Remember, that's an emotional withdrawal. Actually, mocking is a significant emotional withdrawal. Be careful, very careful with that. Um, and I'm not saying never criticize people or give them feedback, but just, just be very surgical about it. This is kind of a tangent, but I'm going to go on it anyway. Like I said earlier in the episode, you want four emotional deposits for every withdrawal. Think of a surgeon like a surgeon is somebody who goes to school for what, eight to 10 years and they specialize on a specific type of surgery. Let's say they're a heart surgeon. So they spend what, a decade mastering just the heart, just this one specific spot. And they said they have all of those thousands of hours committed to training and shadowing and research so that they can spend what, four to eight hours in a room with one patient and maybe make a few cuts or a few incisions or a very, very specific operation. Because you don't, when you're fixing something specific, you don't have to just haphazardly make a mess. It's dangerous to do that. It creates collateral damage. So all of those years of study are so that they can go in and specifically cut exactly where it needs to be cut. And we need to be this way with our criticisms. We need to make sure that we don't do them often. And when we do them, we need to be very surgical about them and make sure that we are only cutting specifically where the issue is. This is not something we master overnight, by the way. And I'm, I'm not 
perfect at it. But if we're aware that we can only do one emo emotional withdrawal for every four deposits, then we need to be very strategic in that withdrawal. You know, and, and our motives need to be properly aligned. Like we don't do an, a, with, a withdrawal simply to withdrawal. There should be a purpose for with that withdrawal. Otherwise, don't say anything at all. You know, there's that saying, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's like, well, I would say that's true for like 99% of cases. Of all the bad things or mean things that I say, most of the mean or bad things I say to others are unnecessary and they're not strategic and they're not surgical. So I would have been better off just saying nothing at all. Now, if we stop and take the time to be surgical in our approach, let's say somebody says something that hurts us and we need to tell them that. So in other words, we got to push back a little bit. We need to make sure that we are very specific about that withdrawal to say, hey, you know what? I appreciate everything that you do and I love you and I care about, about you. When you said this, it hurt my feelings. Just just that one little thing kind of hurt my feelings or it upset me or it made me think you don't understand where I'm coming from. Like that's a withdrawal, but you're being very specific about the withdrawal. You're not saying, you know, <laughs> here's a good one. This is, this, is, this is the worst type of withdrawal. It's like, you know, when you told me that I needed to do the dishes more often. I, I just wanted to let you know that you're a terrible person. You never do the dishes. You're horrible at what you do. And I'm sick and tired of you criticizing me all the time. That's a terrible emotional withdrawal. It's very broad. It's like a shotgun blast. It makes a broad generalization. It's not strategic. It's a personal insult on top of everything else. And then is, it, is there any wonder that people respond to that with hostility? First of all, it's a significant emotional withdrawal. <laughs> you've, you've literally insulted them personally, but, but not in a way that's even reconcilable. Like they can't even make it right. You've basically told them they're a terrible person and there's no, redeem, no redeeming factor for it. But if you're specific about the criticism and say in this specific instance, this specific thing upset me, then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Because you know, it gives them an opportunity to say, oh, I'm sorry, I was in a, I wasn't, I got, I got my, my emotions got the best, better of me. Or, yeah, you're right, I, I really shouldn't have said that. Like, it gives them the opportunity to reconcile it. So if, we're, if, if we can only do a few emotional withdrawals that are effective, then we need to be surgical about it. Like I said, it, that, that's a tangent, but I think it's a valuable tangent. It is on topic. So. So, yeah, so we do need to be quick to listen. And remember, listening means keeping our mouth shut and actually listening. And to prove that we're actually listening, we repeat back to them what they're saying. So we reflect back to them, hopefully in a distilled manner that's in our own words, what it is that they're trying to communicate. And then the secondary thing is, is when people do positive things and, and, and they do good things, do not be slow to speak up. In fact, this should be something you you are doing all the time with people around you. And and I'm I'm trying to adopt this. I'm trying to get better at this. And I, you need to do it to yourself too, by the way. Be quick to compliment yourself. And I don't mean in an egotistical vanity kind of way. When you do something well, say, hey, I did a good job on that. That's awesome. You know, like give yourself some credit. Celebrate. Have a mini celebration. And then when other people do things well, reinforce the positive behavior and just ignore the negative behavior. And what happens is, is, is people 
they go where the growth is, right? They gravitate toward the thing that gives them that positive reinforcement because people like to be praised. They like to be heard. They like to be noticed. And you're not doing it to be manipulative. You know, you, you want people to be the best version of themselves they can be. That's what you encourage. And so I think this is really culturally something we all struggle with right now. It's, it's much easier to tear things down than it is to build them up. Not to mention like pessimistic and negative people love company so complainers tend to gravitate toward complainers they're also the most outspoken people and the internet's very conducive to this this type of mob negative mob mentality so try not to fall into that trap i've fallen into it plenty of times myself so so do your best to avoid <laughs> avoid the negativity mob um and try to be surgical in your in your negativity when you are negative that way, man, if we could just master this broad generalization thing, and I, and I fall into this trap a lot, is, is I take a part and I apply it to the whole. I don't care what end of the political spectrum you're on, but we all do this. We see, and this is really, really bad with, with the internet because you see a small story that is a really, really bad and ugly story. And then you apply that small story to the broad you know, like you find, you find the worst of people. Then we make, they share an article or a story on the worst of people. And then we say something like, I'm the same way. And this is a trap. We need to, we need to get better at this. We say, this entire group is like this one person. It's a very, very, very ugly thing for us to say. Because first of all, people are not groups. People are individuals. I believe groups are kind of a spirit and it, 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 it's a spirit of agreed upon. I agreed and agreed upon ideology and ideologies are not always good. So the ideology is what unites the group. But remember, the group is still made up of individuals and when they apply, it'd be one thing if they speak out and say, I'm part of this group. Let's say they they wear a shirt or they wear a brand. Let, let's pick on Christians because I'm a Christian and, and and I feel like we can we can absorb this. Um, because it, it is, it, I think it's a healthy self-criticism. Not all Christians agree on everything, obviously. There are many different denominations. And there are many different worldviews. When it comes to Christianity. So when there's one story in the news that talks about a Christian group who does something that's absolutely disgusting, and it happens, of course, because, well, who won't use religion to take advantage of people? They're called grifters. It happens in every group. There's nothing that makes our skin or my skin boil more than when the media takes that small example of that group and applies it to Christians as a whole. And I'm like, well, first of all, there is no quote unquote Christians as a whole. <laughs> there are fundamentals that kind of unite us aspects of the trinity and forgiveness and christ that kind of stuff there are there are aspects of the bible in which we do unite core values and beliefs and and if you want to learn more about that read the book mere christianity i think uh, c.s lewis did a tremendous job of kind of explaining fundamentally what many different den denominations at least agree on 
But to take something like that and apply it to such a, a broad, we're talking millions of people who self-identify as Christians, to take what one individual or one small group of individuals did and apply it to the group as a whole is so disgustingly deceitful that it should never be done. And, and, and we do this on almost every level now. And it's understandable why we do it. Because I know this is kind of a tangent. I actually need to wrap up this episode. But what we do is we, to make sense of the world, we do break things down into simplified symbols and simplified groups. It, it helps us function as individuals because we can't know everything about everything all the time. We, we are very limited and we need to function on a day-to-day -day basis. So we make generalizations and we, we, we simplify things so that we can function. But we need to be careful that we understand that the simplification is something that isn't representative of every aspect of that thing. And so we can have generalizations that allow us to function in a healthy manner so that we can go day-to-day. But we also have the humility, we need to have the humility to know that when something negative comes out that challenges our perception of that group, that there are always in every group or in every generalization exceptions to the rule. And that's where that grace thing really needs to come in. That's, that's where we need to give people grace. Because just because there's a, there's, there's a really good chance that especially in this instance, that the majority of Christians who identify as Christians are looking at that group with more disgust than you are. Because we're like, well, that's a terrible representation of our faith. We're more embarrassed about it than the people who are criticizing every Christian for it. You know, and it's like, we need to be careful with that. Anyway, kind of a tangent. Lots of tangents today, but I feel like they were constructive. It's like they were good. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Before you go, make sure you like, share, and subscribe on your favorite social network, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. That helps feed the algorithms to help the show grow because it actually recommends it to other people. Also, if you're listening on a podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and leave a review on whatever network you may be listening on. That also helps the show get recommended. And the show is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org. And until next time, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can today, because as always, that's all we can do. I will see you all tomorrow.